Welcome to the CRE Podcast, 100% Canadian, 100% commercial real estate. Now, here are your hosts, Aaron Cameron and Adam Pawatic. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast, powered by First National. I'm your co-host, Aaron Cameron. Along with me, as always, is Adam Pawatic. This is part of our conference series with our partner, Informa. We're recording live at the Ottawa Real Estate Forum. Our first guest today is a gentleman by the name of James Beach, who is the Director of Real Estate and Business Development for Broccolini. Welcome. Thank you. So, as always, James, how did you get into real estate? How did I get myself here? Long story. How many bad decisions led to this moment? (laughs) You know, a whole bunch of bad decisions that just, uh, they they all worked themselves out. I'm a very fortunate guy. So, how did I get to where I am today? Well, I'm going to talk about first where I am and go backwards or... However you want to go. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Reverse chronology. Yeah, we'll go backwards in time. So, set the stage. As you mentioned, James Beach from Broccolini. Broccolini is a real estate developer and builder, uh, originally founded in Montreal 70 years ago. So it's a company that started as a single-family home builder. Founder Donato Broccolini, who's in his 90s now, still very much present. He started the company, built himself a single-family home, and ended up selling it before his family had a chance to move in. Made a couple dollars and really used that as and a, got addicted. <laughs> used that as the catapult to deploy what we have today, which is a company 70 years in the business. Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, three offices, approximately 400 staff members, annual construction volume. We're now up to approximately $600 million a year. And of that construction volume, approximately 50% of it is real estate development that we're building for ourselves for our private limited partnership fund. So what's the other 50%? Other 50% would be for third party, really groups like IKEA, Canadian Tire, groups that really are looking for design builders. We provide development and construction solutions for those groups. Do you stray outside of real estate into infrastructure or anything like that? No, our wheelhouse is really residential. So a big condo footprint in Montreal. We're making a name for ourselves now in Toronto, Ottawa. We've built residential product, a lot of office, commercial office towers, Ottawa, big footprint here. Montreal, big footprint, and then obviously the industrial markets are strong for us in all three three cities. Do you do any like single family plan community stuff, or is it predominantly sort of apartment condo commercial? Interesting. If you had asked me that question a couple of years ago, I would have said that was the first generation of Broccolini. However, we have recently, both in Toronto and Montreal, built a few multifamily residential townhome divisions. Okay. And you know, that was more of a, a strategic decision as a result of perhaps our original project or development intent changing course and really kind of a backup plan. But so it almost sounds like <laughs> it's an opportunistic fund. Right? If it makes sense, why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> so so if, we're, if we're going backwards in chronology. So how, how did I yeah. get here? So yes. I've been with Broccolini now for 10 years. So you started when you were 18? 18, yeah. The weight <laughs> on my beard, it's telling. So started at the company 10 years ago. I actually have a twin brother who carved the way into Broccolini. So when Broccolini came to Ottawa 13, 14 years ago, he was one of their first hires and had a phenomenal experience and, and recruited me to come join him. So I've been the company for 10 years. My twin brother is recently retired, so no longer employed by Broccolini. And he's always been the smarter twin. So he somehow figured out how to retire. So anyway, so <laughs> that's, impressive. That's, a, that's a different conversation. We'll have but, him on the uh, podcast next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, he's, the, he's the more interesting <laughs> brother. For Can you sure. give us his contact info? So prior to that, my family business, my grandfather was actually a real estate developer. So he was a builder developer in the 40s and 50s. Same sort of story as the Broccolinis started building small single family homes in Ottawa and slowly turned that into uh, three-story walk-up apartment buildings and then got into high-rise uh, apartment construction where he was a builder developer and had a little 
I don't want to say run-in, but had an interesting situation develop with the CRA where they were viewing his capital gains claims differently as a result of him being a true merchant developer. And as a result, he had to keep and hold this 100-plus unit multifamily residential building and kind of thought to himself, oh my God, this is a problem. And then realized, oh, wait a second, this yeah, thing- tough luck. Yeah, this thing, cash flow is <laughs> like crazy. And making me make money. Making yeah. me hold real estate. So he ended up developing a handful of high-rise apartment buildings, which my family still owns today. And so that, you know, that was kind of the introduction into real estate development. So you kind of had it in your blood from the get-go. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you finance those apartment buildings? <laughs> back then, it's just cash. It's literally handshakes No, but how cash. about now? <laughs> now, yeah. Adam, Adam will give you his card after this. <laughs> absolutely, I already am. They're cash-heavy buildings, right? So, so uh, we, are, we are lenders, so we have to ask that question. We yeah. get in trouble. If any opportunity not to bring up lending, we don't take advantage of. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll take that one offline as well. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is CMHC. I don't, I don't know. It always is. It always is. Yeah. But I like that in our timeline, we've gone back close to a century now. This is... Uh, <laughs> there we, we go. Left backwards. There we go. Horse and buggy days. Yeah. Yeah. You can't see James, but he looks like he's about 28. So that yeah. joke about starting when he was 18, isn't, it wasn't far off. Yeah, he's far actually off. 50, which you would, wouldn't believe. 57, actually. 57, 57 years old. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> so let's talk about Brooklyn and, and maybe where the growth trajectory is going. What are they looking to do next? You, you mentioned three cities, Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. Where now? Where, yeah, where next? it's a great question. And that's something that we've discussed discussed intensely within the organization, uh, certainly for the last five, six years. And you know, who are we? Where do we want to go? And we've kind of looked at, call it a corporate motto, that we're looking to be the most sought after builder developer in Canada. Well, I got to say, when I see your name on the side of a development, my instinct, and I don't know why I even have this perception, but my perception is that you guys are one of the stronger Thank uh, you. construction companies. It seems like you're partnering with the right people. Your name is often next to you know, I would say, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I would see it next to in my brain, like a Tridel or a Rio Can or an Ally. It's one of those ones you hold at a higher echelon, and maybe I'm making that up, but nevertheless, you've done a good job maintaining that brand, even if it's something that I can't justify. Right? Sure. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. We'll pass that along to our marketing team, but I mean, it's 100% a result of successful partnerships with the right people and great projects. You know, 70 years in business is not something to turn your nose up at and looking where we're at today versus where we were 10 years ago, looking forward 10 years, uh, there's incredible opportunity for the company. You're fresh off of your panel and I sat in for the last uh, bit of it. One of the other panelists alluded that it's basically Broccolini and one other company that just has a absolute domination in the in the Montreal market. Is that a fair assessment by your fellow panelist? He said it, not me, but yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would agree with the panelists. For sure in Montreal, Broccolini is a force to be reckoned with and really it's time to the relationships, to the reputation, delivering consistently on the promises, great projects. And, and now in Montreal, we're at a point where we're, we're building some landmark projects. We've just developed the, the highest residential tower in the city, a condo project that for us, we were builder developers. How high is that? It's uh, 55 stories. And we're, we're right now building a, a second tower. We have a million plus square foot office concept for a national bank, which again, we're the builder developer. All downtown. Uh, all downtown. Heavy downtown footprint right now. So we've moved off of the island downtown. We're still obviously very involved in the, in the West Island, but... How long have you had that land though? Some of the land has been held for a long time. Right. Other portions of the land have been recent strategic acquisitions. So it really uh, depends. But it yeah, really depends. Right place, right time too with that Montreal... Yeah. economy just booming. It, it's really phenomenal and, and the fortunate. reputation, at least in Montreal, I know this is the Ottawa Real Estate, not the apartment forum, but the Ottawa Sorry. Real Estate. Yes. <laughs> Ottawa Real Estate Forum, but the reputation for the company in Montreal is, as you noted, it's very high standards and we're looking to uh, achieve the same sort of reputation in, in both Toronto and Montreal. Well, good segue. Uh, good segue. Yeah. So let's focus on the Ottawa market. What are you doing here right now? Like, What kind of projects do you have on the go? 
Yeah. So we have, again, as builder developers, we're always looking for opportunities. The Ottawa market, obviously heavy focus on the federal government footprint. So we've built and developed and still own two high-rise office towers that are rented to Public Works on very long leases, 25-year leases. So we have a good footprint here of real estate that we still own. We've built and developed EDC, which is Export Development Canada, so another large, very high-profile tenant. We subsequently sold that building. It's a government tenant as well? This is Export Development Canada. It's a Crown Corp. Okay. So it has some of the constraints of, uh, of the government with some private sector latitude. So it's a phenomenal group. We've built multifamily residential, high-rise, uh, condo, retail, and, and industrial. And that's just on the heels of delivering the largest industrial building in the, in the city's history, which is uh, Amazon Fulfillment Center. Uh, so that was our last, last project. Give us some details about what that is and how the scope of it, just so that our listeners can kind of appreciate the... I almost want to say the epicness of it. Yeah, the size of it, it's interesting. We've tried to come up with clever ways to describe the size. Epicness of wasn't one of the words. No, I think that's a great I'm going to use that probably later on today. But uh, It's a epic, real word. It's very epicness. That's not used correctly. So. <laughs> but the building is extremely large. We were using NHL, obviously hockey, Canadian contacts. We were, we were using NHL hockey rinks, standard size rinks as a scale. And you can put 80, 80 hockey rinks under the roof of the building. So that's, uh, that's substantial. We, we looked at the volume of the building, if it was filled with maple syrup. For each Canadian, each Canadian would have 20-some-odd liters of maple syrup. So, I mean, that's how Canadians can understand. How high is the ceiling? <laughs> so it's a 36-foot clear building. Uh, peaked, it's at 45 feet at the highest point. And that was a standard that would definitely be two years ago, the standard. And even in two years now, that's no longer the industrial standard. It's, the roof is going up. The roof is being raised. So do you have more, I mean, industrial is such a hot asset class these days, particularly in the Ottawa market. And for those that aren't familiar, I heard some numbers thrown around today that rents are upwards of the $15, $16 for the new stuff, which in a national context, I think is the highest rent. I've never been able to explain there. that. I'm sure there is an explanation, but I never understood yeah, that Ottawa I, I, has I, these I'm, outside I'm rents. I'm sure the answer is supply yeah. and demand, but that's all. I, that's the extent I understand it. But I mean, in context, Vancouver's 13 bucks, correct me if I'm wrong. Toronto's now pushing 10, but we're there in the 6, 7 for the longest time. Calgary, I think, is was up to 12, but it's back down to 9 or 10. So in this Ottawa market, I mean, you're talking 20, 30% premium for industrial space against anywhere else in the country. Absolutely. So is that, is that a big target class for you still? And how do you go about you know, finding yes the sites and, and what do yeah, you do? So yes and no, it's a small market overall. I think the industrial footprint in Ottawa is just shy of 50 million square feet. So it's a relatively small market. The building that we just delivered for Amazon represents you know, two point some odd percent of the entire yeah. market. So I mean, to put it in context, it's a small metric, but for an entire industrial market, it's significant. So the growth of that scale, I'm not sure how much more we will see. Certainly some, but nothing. Uh, Do you, you have a sense as to why this the industrial market here is just so tight? I think it's just, it comes down to a couple of factors. One, lack of available land. Ottawa, if you just look, pull up a Google Earth map, you're constrained by the Ottawa River to the north, where you have Quebec. You're constrained with the Green Belt, which is an area of no build that literally flanks the entire city. And the city's grown in a very west-easterly direction. There's no opportunity to sprawl south and north, or very little opportunity. And as a result, you have only a select number of areas that would be deemed appropriate for urban industrial. And a lack of product, and as a result... 
you know, marketing 101 or economics, economics 101. 101. Yeah. Aaron was right then with supply and demand. Is the answer. <laughs> yeah. That's always said it. It's always the answer. <laughs> the thing with real estate is <laughs> it's really answer. simple. Real estate is not complicated <laughs> at all. We just pretend that it is. I just saw a tangent, but I always love that like the most complex calculation in real estate is NOI divided by yeah. cap rate equals value. Like that's as complicated as it gets. People pretend that DCF matters and all this IRR. No, it doesn't matter. Forget it. Okay, sorry. So it was, it was finding land sites in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. You do want to grow your industrial book here. How tough is that? It's challenging, right? It's very challenging. And it's, it's really twofold. It's one, servicing. So the Ottawa, called City of Ottawa, obviously they've done a great job to date controlling growth in the city. But I think this e-commerce piece is something that no one predicted. And Ottawa is certainly not in a position right now to have large tracts of land that are zoned and serviced appropriately to respond to these users that absolutely want to be in Ottawa. The fundamentals are here, million plus people, you know, centrally located between Montreal and Toronto, off 400 series highways. Yeah, it's, that government employment's not going anywhere. Exactly. I mean, there's a, from a consumer spending e-commerce perspective, Ottawa's a tremendous market in terms of the higher incomes that are associated with the, you know, the overall Ottawa market. So it's really a lack of land. And right now, there's really limited uh, opportunity. Interchange land is at a... Uh, is, is that kind of because, I mean, the downtown core is kind of squished up against the border, and so you really can only grow in three directions? And it, I mean, Toronto's got the same issue to a certain extent, right? With is the it, lake, for it, sure. It's just harder to grow because you can't go in sort of four directions, like a Calgary or an Edmonton. Or, now, Vancouver is totally different, but right. leave that aside. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a combination of one, the constraints, like I previously mentioned with the river and the green space, but it's also just a result of no one saw this coming. No one saw e-commerce coming. No one saw buildings of this sort of scale. And you know, the city's changing. The city is malleable. And obviously, there's groups that are, are, including ourselves, that are working towards finding new opportunities and solutions to the lack of demand. Well, for Amazon then, I mean, that site must have been... F- 40 acres, call it, something like that? 97.5. Okay. Whoops. How do you find a site that large in Ottawa? Or were you part of the process? Absolutely. So, I mean, the process really started with a requirement identified for Ottawa and a large tract of land required. And we canvassed the market. Broccolini owns 55 acres of land in Canada, phenomenal land that we figured, oh, this is a great location. Let's throw our hat in the ring. And we're told it's too small. And then, so did Amazon approach you first and say, you're my partner, go figure out how to do this? Or do they do an RFP or they have like a whole bunch of developers running around, figure out who can provide it first? Like, what's well, that we, we like to think like, we're special. And really the, the being sought after, I think, is what we like to at least tell ourselves, right? So, you know, <laughs> these deals come along in, in different manners, whether it's a conversation in a bar, whether it's a relationship with a broker, whether it's just a reputation, you know, they're all, they all come together. So this was something that was in the works for a little while, but really we heavily leveraged our experience and our ability to be that very diversified group that could go out, identify land, understand rezoning risk, understand entitlement pieces, servicing, cost of construction, really the A to Z, and provide a solution to a group like Amazon where we're not giving them piecemeal, we're giving them the full package. We're the builder, developer, we're the landlord as well for the facility. So really on that keep specific just, deal. Keep it simple for them. One-stop shop. Maybe you can't answer this question, but how far does city relationships go in those types of conversations? Because like, clearly that's a variable that is for every developer very challenging because yeah. it's uncontrollable. Yeah, I think the city of Ottawa has done a, an excellent job, not just on this file, but on all the files Broccolini's worked on for the past 10 years plus in Ottawa. The city of Ottawa has been phenomenal to work with just in terms of identifying very clearly from the onset of the conversation, the very first discussion, their expectations, clearly identifying the steps, clearly identifying the timelines to move through those various entitlement pieces. So I think they've done a great job. 
Obviously, so they uh, made it easy. Is that am I translating that properly? Or um, maybe not easy, I, I, but I they, say, they didn't make it challenging. Maybe the, put it the, the other way. The city of Ottawa is a great city to develop in, just because the steps are clear. Are you just saying that? No, it's okay. you know, we develop in, in, I believe in other other cities, and I'm saying this not because we're on the Ottawa real estate show or not. It's not a pitch. It's really true. They make the steps very clear. They're not coming at you at the last minute with a new request. It's this is what we need. This is the process. This is how long we'll take to review it. This is when we'll give you an answer. They lay out the agenda from day one and they follow it and they own their piece. Any individual who we work with with, at the city who their role is to do XYZ, they do XYZ. They don't pawn it off. They they take ownership. So it's... it's How how are the timelines? The timelines are getting better and I think the city's recognized a requirement or a need at least for the development community to accelerate those processes. It doesn't mean skipping over steps doesn't mean being cavalier it means just ensuring that there's efficiencies put in place to compress that time frame so they're, wonder, they're getting better. I mean, this maybe this is kind of an esoteric question or whatever, but how much of an impact do you think that has on the development community and the willingness for people to come to Ottawa, knowing that they're going to have a partner in the city and that things are going to be transparent, the process is going to be simple versus some other jurisdictions, Toronto to be named one, where it's not, I wouldn't say a mess, but it's just, it's an unknown variable. Could be 12 well, months, could be... Four years, you don't know. Yeah, you have knows? no concept what's going to happen and what changes may occur and all that, right? I, I think it's refreshing, and I think it's something that developers from out of Ottawa, they're becoming aware of that fact, but I don't think it's really promoted. I think we're humble. You almost don't want to. It's a pain. Don't come here. Stay out of Less competition, less competition. (laughs) Sorry for asking that question. It's a great city to develop and and work in, and I think that general consensus is is being heard from the development Almost uh, almost unfortunately for those who (laughs) are established here. So, you know, the best-kept secret. So you've done a couple of high-profile developments. Do you find that the high-profile developments get special attention from the city, get through a little faster, a little more... Because it makes the news, obviously, when you announce mm-hmm. you're going to put an Amazon distribution center into whatever or market a, you're or in. Or a 55-story building yeah. in downtown Montreal, is whatever that, it is. Is that the red carpet rolled out to some degree? Is there an element of that? You know, I remember the good mayor here, Jim Watson, he made a comment, which I thought was great. He said, we're looking to roll out the red carpet, not the red tape. And I thought that was a very positive comment. Some didn't take it that way, but... I think that was a great overarching statement in terms of what they are, the city is looking to do in terms of attract development groups. They're not going to, like I said before, high-profile projects still have to go through the same steps. I would say they even have a higher level of scrutiny just because of the profile and the consequences of someone getting it wrong. Obviously, there's a, a higher level of detail, of study, of challenge, if you would, stress testing. But at the end of the day, you're going through the same steps. Perhaps you're just getting a little more focus. Speaking of kind of high-profile developments, you've also got another Amazon site in Scarborough, which is a suburb of Toronto. So even in the time that's elapsed since the last one you did, do you see any enhanced features in that building that you did not put into the one in Ottawa, or how has their requirement changed over the last couple of years? Yeah, so you know, keeping front and center the non-disclosure agreement that we signed with all of our high-profile tenants, including our friends from Seattle. This response may be very vague and without detail, but I think Amazon specifically, they're a company that's always changing. They're always looking to improve the customer experience, and we see this constantly. There's nothing static about that group. They are very, very dynamic. Even midway through construction projects, they are asking for changes that typical tenants would, at that point, not even consider tabling, but their group would identify a possible improvement. Even though we're down a path of construction, they will integrate or request an integration of these improvements into the building 
100% to improve efficiencies, to improve the customer experience. So between what we've done in Ottawa, which we wrapped up and delivered in the spring of 2019, compared to what we're doing now in Toronto, the building started off almost as sister buildings, virtually identical. In terms of size and clear height? In terms of size, in terms of clear height, in terms of power requirements, very much it was a close replica to what what we're doing in Ottawa. But then along the way, there's improvements made, there's changes made, very dynamic, and the end result will be something very different than than what's delivered in Ottawa. We'll get our listeners to sign an NDA, then we can really get into it. (laughs) (laughs) I know you've got to get going. You have the responsibilities here at the forum other than just chatting to us in the podcast. But we definitely appreciate the insight into the Ottawa market and especially into Amazon, you know, sharing what you can because obviously, you know, they make the news every time they announce another center and it's, it's interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to thank First National for powering the podcast. We want to thank Informa for hosting us here at the Ottawa Real Estate Forum. And foremost, we want to thank you, James, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate being here and good luck with the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the CRE Podcast. The information from this broadcast is not to be relied upon as financial investing, professional accounting, or legal advice. First National Financial LP holds Financial Services Commission of Ontario License Number 10514 and 11252.